Hello and welcome to another episode of Covenant and Conversation with me, Rabbi Sachs. In each new episode, we'll explore a Jewish idea from the Hebrew Bible based on the Torah reading of the week. When I was chief rabbi, I had wonderful friendships with other religious leaders, not least the two archbishops of Canterbury during my time. This was part of a profound healing that's taken place between Jews and Christians in the post-Holocaust era after many centuries of estrangement and worse. We respected our differences, but we worked together on the things that mattered to both of us from climate change to the alleviation of poverty. On one occasion, the then Archbishop of Canterbury, George Carey, made a curious request. We're embarking on a year of reading the Bible. Do you think you could do something similar within the Jewish community? Of course, I replied, we do it every year. There's only one word we might find problematic. Which word is that, he asked. And I replied, the word reading. Because we never simply read the Bible. We study it, interpret it, interpret other interpretations. We argue with it, question it, debate with it. The verb reading doesn't quite do justice to the way we interact with the Torah. It's usually more active than that. I might have added that even the phrase kriyata Torah, which is usually taken to mean reading the Torah, probably doesn't mean that at all. Kriyata Torah, properly understood, is a performative act. It's a weekly recreation of the revelation at Mount Sinai. It's covenant ratification ceremony, like the one Moshe performed at Sinai. It says, Then he took the book of the covenant and read it aloud to the people, and they said, All the, that the Lord has spoken, we will faithfully do. And it's probably like the covenant renewal ceremony celebrated by Ezra after the return from Babylon, as described in Nehemiah chapters 8 and 9, when Ezra takes the Sefer Torah and reads it to the people, and then they renew the covenant. Korea, in this sense, doesn't mean reading in the modern sense of sitting in an armchair with a book. It means declaring, pl- proclaiming, establishing and making known the law. It's a bit like what happens in the British Parliament when the bill gets its final reading, that is, its ratification. So the Torah isn't something we merely read. It involves total engagement. And what's made that engagement possible is the rabbinic concept of Midrash. Midrash, as I understand it, there are of course other ways, was the rabbinic response to the end of prophecy. So long as there were prophets, in other words, until the time of Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, they brought the word of God to their generation. They heard it, they declared it. The divine word lived within the currents and tides of history. But there came a time when there were no more prophets. How then could Jews bridge the gap between the word then and the historical situation now. It was an immense crisis, and different groups of Jews responded in different ways. The Sadducees, as far as we can tell, confined themselves to the literal text. For them, Torah didn't renew itself generation after generation. It had been given once, and that was enough. Other groups 
including those we know from the Dead Sea Scrolls, developed a kind of biblical exegesis known as pesher. There's a surface meaning of the text, but there's also a pesher, a hidden meaning that often has to do with events or people in the present or the end of days that were assumed to be coming soon. The rabbis, however, developed the technique of midrash, which by close reading could give us insights into the specifics of Jewish law, midrash halacha, or details of biblical narrative that are missing from the text, midrash agadah. So powerful was this form of engagement that the single greatest institution of rabbinic Judaism is named after it, namely the Beit Midrash, the house or the home of Midrash. Essentially, Midrash is the bridge across the abyss of time between the world of the original text 30 to 40 centuries ago and our world in the present of time and place. Midrash asks not what did the text mean then, but rather what does the text mean to me here now? And behind Midrash are three fundamental principles of faith. The first, Torah is God's word. And just as God transcends time, so does his word. It would be absurd, for example, to suppose that some human being more than 3,000 years ago could have foreseen smartphones, social media, and being online on call 24-7. Yet Shabbat speaks precisely to that phenomenon and to our need for a digital detox once a week. God speaks to us today in the unsuspected inflections of words he spoke 33 centuries ago. Second, the covenant between God and our ancestors at Mount Sinai still holds today. It survived the Babylonian exile, the Roman destruction, centuries of dispersion, and the Holocaust. The Torah is the text of that covenant, and it binds us still. Third, the principles underlying the Torah have changed very little in the intervening years. To be sure, we no longer have a temple or sacrifices. We no longer practice capital punishment. But the values that underlie the Torah are strikingly relevant to contemporary society and to our individual lives in the 21st century secular time. So, we don't merely read the Torah. We bring it to our time, our lives. We bring to it our most attentive listening and our deepest existential commitments. My own beliefs have been formed in that ongoing conversation with the biblical text that is part of the Jewish mind and the Jewish week, which is why to emphasize this personal engagement I've decided to call this year's studies, I believe, as a way of saying this is how I came to see the world, having listened as attentively as I can to the Torah and its message for me here now. The Torah is not a systematic treatise about beliefs, but it is a unique way of seeing the world and responding to it. And in an age of moral darkness, its message still shines. So at any rate, I believe, may it be a year of learning and growing for us all. Thank you for listening. You can download a written version of my commentary 
and explore all my additional content by visiting www.rabbisax.org. We also have an accompanying family edition of Covenant and Conversation aimed at connecting children and teenagers with these ideas and thoughts. For a family edition discussion sheet on this week's parasha, please go to www.rabbisax.org slash cc family edition.